Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sheerlux's VIP club. From restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sheerlux partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. Plus, this April, annual sign-ups receive a free powder detox edition beauty box worth £55. For more information, visit sheerluxvip.com. From beginnings in her bedroom in 1999, Maria Hatsis-Stefanis' brainchild business, Rodial, has gone on to become a global beauty empire. After her cult snake serum went viral, so did her business. An early pioneer in social media, Rodial is famous for its high-profile celebrity endorsements. Whilst overseeing the growth of both Rodial and Nip and Fab into 35 countries, Maria is also an author of How to Be an Overnight Success, producer and patron of the British Fashion Council. Welcome, Maria Hatzestephanis, to your Sheerlux success story. In each fortnightly episode, we delve into the stories behind some of the most successful entrepreneurs and careers we've seen. In this week's episode, we're joined by Maria Hatzestephanis, founder of Rodial. Maria, you famously said being fired was the best thing that happened to your career. Tell us about this. Yeah, that was interesting. Well, first of all, thank you for having me at your podcast, Georgie. I love what you do, and I'm very excited to be here. So going back to being fired and and being the best thing that ever happened to me, I started my career in beauty. Um, I was a beauty writer. I did that for a little bit. Then I moved to New York. I studied business, and then I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I ended up in banking because everyone was going into banking at the time. And then very shortly after that, I got fired. And that was the best ever thing that happened to me. It made me think really hard about what I wanted to do with my life, where my passion lied. And that's when I decided to start my own business. You did an MBA in business. Do you think that's really contributed to your business success, your business savvy? It was an interesting experience for me to actually sit down and study business. But I think as what every entrepreneur will tell you, it's all about being street smart when you start your own business and you do learn along the way. So it's it was useful, but I can't say that it was very essential for my career afterwards. That's comforting for those of us that don't have an MBA in business. <laughs> And what was the gap in the market that you saw that sparked the idea of Rodial? Everything in beauty at the time was really boring. It was all about a plain cleansing soap, a moisturizer, a toner. There was nothing really exciting happening at the time. And my vision was to come up with a beauty range that would disrupt the beauty business with cool, innovative ingredients, with fast-acting results, Um, And targeting a woman who doesn't really have a lot of time in her hands, make her look beautiful and confident in just a few minutes with the right products. And so how did you plan to differentiate it from other brands on the market? It was a lot of trial and error and it was a lot of taking risks. I remember being in the business for about five years. I was, most of the time, I was operating from a back room at home, packing boxes and doing everything myself, like a one-woman show. And it was about year five that I managed to get some money to move the team into a smaller office. I got a staff of two. And we were sitting down at this 
table, uh, I just had received a sample of our the first anti-aging serum that we were going to launch in the market. It was going to be a big deal about the business and the brand, but I thought anti-aging serum, I mean, that's not that exciting. No one's going to pay attention. And it was a critical point in the business because we had been going for five years and I didn't know where this was going. Would we survive another year? So I was going through the ingredients and I saw that there was one ingredient that related to Viper Venom. And I thought, why don't we call the product snake serum? And I told my team and they said, you must be crazy. We're not doing this. But then we started talking about it and I got everyone excited about the ingredient. We ended up calling it snake serum. We capitalized on the ingredient. We did a photo shoot with snakes and then everything went viral. And that was the product. I remember. I mean, I I really, I vividly remember it hitting the press Mm. and thinking, what is this? And what's she doing? (laughs) It was crazy. And this was the first time that people Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, actually paid attention to Rodial and started talking about it. So... I have to say that it was more of out of desperation that we needed to do something drastic about the brand, the business, the product to get some attention that led us to where we are today. Then we followed with Dragon's Blood and Bee Venom, and this created a certain level of expectation from our customers that mm-hmm. Rodia would only come up with innovative and exciting and effective ingredients. And do you think you can be taken seriously as a brand with a product name like that? Well, you have to do something innovative and you start with that, but then on the back of that ingredient, there is a much wider formula. We use a selection of anything between five and 10 other active ingredients. And we do tell the story with our press releases and the way we communicate with with our customers. So there's a bigger story. It's not just about the, the snake ingredient. And that makes the brand last more than that specific product. Yeah, essentially it's clever marketing, but then the product has to stand up for itself, which it obviously does. And you wouldn't be in 35 countries if it didn't. Um, How did you get the brand in front of the right people? Because it's one thing having a great product, but you know, you didn't have, you had a bit of experience. I know you interned at Seventeen magazine prior to your career in banking, but you know, you didn't have a great big contact list of, of contacts in the industry. So how did you get it in front of the right people? It was all um, hustling. I was hustling from day one. I still hustle 18 years later. <laughs> so what I did, I identified the stores that I could see the product uh, fitting in. I put together a beautiful bag with tissue paper and, and all that and a beautiful note. And I would send it to my top five buyers. Then I would follow up with a call and an email saying, have you seen the products? Can we set up a meeting? I can't say that it was easy. That was probably one of the most difficult things that I had to achieve, especially when you're starting out. A lot of people 
doubt whether you're in it for the for the long run. There was one specific store that I was really passionate about and I wanted to be in and that would be my dream. So if I would get into that store, then all my problems would be solved. Oh, that's what I that? thought. Um, that was Harvey Nichols, actually. Ah. And I remember sending them products. It was within six months of launching the range. And I would either get a response, oh, we don't have time to see you or your products are not right for the store at this point. And what I did, I would take their feedback and then go back again a year later and say, this is how we've grown. This is where our range sits. This is some of the press that I achieved. Can we have a conversation? And I didn't get a yes on the second year either. And that, <laughs> yeah, that went on for about five, six years. And then ultimately they said, okay, well, let's just have that meeting. We only have 15 minutes and you need to be out of there. So we had a really quick meeting and I talked them into the products and they gave me the smallest possible shelf of about four sort of four products and that's how I started but it did take six years and now you have your sculpting bar in uh, Harvey yeah. and it's a complete triumph and the beauty hall would not be a beauty hall without Rodial in it so I know it's perseverance um, paid off it's it's crazy it, it has paid off yeah and just going back to your stint at 17 magazine do you think without that exposure to the beauty world you could have achieved what you achieved. I mean, I, I think we meet a lot of businesses where someone will leave the corporate world, the banking world, and create a fashion label. And that's tough with no knowledge of the industry. Do you think that short amount of time at 17 was worthwhile and useful for you? It was definitely worth it. Uh, but having said that, I was always passionate about beauty. I remember when I was about 14 years old, and I was born and raised at this very tiny remote island in Greece where we don't even we didn't even have a beauty store. I was getting ready to go out with a girlfriend of mine, and we needed a bit of color in our cheeks, and blush wasn't available at the time. So I got this old-fashioned Nivea cream, and I mixed it up with my mom's lipstick, and I created the first ever cream. Cream blush. <laughs> so that was a moment uh, that I thought, oh my God, I can create a beauty product. And, and then I got into it. I started reading magazines and doing natural recipes. And that probably led me to my internship with Seventeen Magazine. It was a great place for me to see different brands and, and really identify the gap in the market. It was useful. And sometimes you have experiences and you don't know where they would lead you. So at the time that I was doing the internship, I would never imagine that one day I would own a beauty brand. It was just, yeah, that's another job. It's fun. I'm in a magazine. Mm. You know, I'm having fun. That but, was that was all at the time. But you've created a business about something that you were passionate about and just that story of you creating mm. your own cream blush. You know, maybe, maybe you needed that passion to have the success you've had. What about PR coverage? I mean, you are the master of PR, I think, Maria. How did you get it in the early days? What was your approach? The first thing that I did once I managed to get some sales and get some money into the bank account was hire one of the top PR agencies. And I worked on a project with them for about six months to launch the brand and make sure that everyone who saw Rodial would understand this is a serious skincare company, that we have a story to tell. And that was the best investment that I've made. Uh, Now, after that, after the brand was introduced to the press, then money became tight again. So I I had to cut off the agency and do it myself and go and meet the editors and, and take them out for coffee and give them more product. And over the years, we've had a combination of outsourcing PR and doing it in-house. And I can't say that there's one is the better way or the other. It just depends where you are with the size of the company, your team, and where do you want to spend your time as a founder. 
talk to us a little bit about you know growing the business. How have you grown from it being just you to how many people do Rodeo Nip and Fab employ today? Um, we are at around 150 people. A lot of those people are in the field in the UK and North America. So yeah, we have grown from one for me to a bigger company and a bigger team. And recruiting has always been the most important part of growing the business. As you know, the team around you is everything. And I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have the best thing around me. And what, who were the first people, who were the early people that joined? What were the first roles that you created in the business after yourself? As an entrepreneur, I had to sit down and think, what is it that I'm not very good at? What are the skills that I'm missing? And there were two skills that I immediately needed support on. One was accounting. So my first hire was a part-time bookkeeper accountant. And the other element was a bigger understanding of sales. How do you structure sales? Um, how do you merchandise the product? So my second hire was a sales manager. I read that you tried to get funding for Rodeal in the early days of the business, but you didn't secure it. So how have you invested in the team and the growth mm. of the business without it? Not securing funding for the business was definitely very disappointing at the time because it's, it's also thinking, oh, do people not believe in me to give me the money? So it's not just about the money, it's about the belief. But at the end of the day, it was probably the best thing that happened to us as I had to grow the business organically. So any money we made on sales, then that would go back and be reinvested in the business. And also making sure that every investment we made, whether that's human resources or expanding the office or any marketing materials, we always had to make sure that the return would be there because we were paying out of our own pockets. So at the end, it was a great thing to help take the business to the next level and make it profitable year after year. You must be pretty glad today that you were turned down for funding all those years ago. I mean, it's great. I remember there was a time where the business was turning over in the millions range, in the million, and we had someone who was interested in taking 25% of the business. And he put an offer on the table. Uh, we ended up not working together because his vision of the brand was very different to mine. But then I thought if at that point I gave 25% of the business at such a lower valuation, I would have regretted it right now. Mm. So everything happens for a reason and I, I don't regret it. And you talk about turning over you know, the, the early millions. Was there a point where you thought we're really onto something. We've got a big business on our hands. It was just after the launch of Snake Serum when suddenly we were inundated with calls. We had calls from all over Europe, Italy, Germany, Japan, Hong Kong. Everyone wanted a piece of the action. I was calling the factory saying, we need pallets of that Snake Serum. There is just so much demand. And we had to get, there was one weekend I remember, we had to put all the, we have to double the shifts and get people to work on the weekend and overnight to make it happen. But then I thought that's a very critical, that's a tipping point in our business and we're getting somewhere. And how do you hire the right people? Are there certain traits you look for when you interview people? At the early days of the business, it was a little bit more challenging um, to find the right people because what you're looking for is people who are multitasking and they can do a lot of things for you. So I remember I had someone who was assisting me who was also taking care of marketing and PR and was also doing a little bit of e-commerce. And 
early days, this is what you want. You want people that can wear different hats and take the their the, the job wherever the business mm. needs to go. And those people have the passion. They don't necessarily have the depth of experience that you may want them to have, but you're all there. You have the same goal, the same vision. You're all a bit crazy. You have the passion and you have fun growing the early stages of the business. Now, when the business is at more of a growth, it's been stable for a while, then you look for a very different type of person who has had that specific experience and you want to bring them on to take their department and your business to the next level. And how do you deal with employees leaving? Is everyone replaceable? Is anyone irreplaceable? It's always very sad. We're a business that we're very close to each other. We have lots of social events together and we travel together. So it's really sad when someone leaves. After you get over the disappointment of losing someone that you really trust and enjoy working with, you take stock of what the position should look like at this point of the growth of the business. And maybe you need to tweak a few things. And and maybe at that point, you need to hire someone with slightly different skill set. And at the end of the day, I'm all about new ideas and fresh ideas. And I see every opportunity for, for a new hire as someone who will give me more energy within that position. So it's sad, but then there's there's a silver lining. Let's talk about social media. You're renowned for your success when it comes to social media. And you were one of the first entrepreneurs and brands to really do what you've done. What made you see this opportunity? It all started very organically. When Instagram started, we set up the Rodial Beauty account, which is our corporate account. And then I thought, you know what, in order for me to understand what is going on with with this Instagram platform and for me to get to know it a bit more so I can connect with my team managing it. But my last name is very hard to pronounce. And, and, <laughs> I've just and about spell. got it. <laughs> yeah, you, you did a great job. Take me a while. So I thought instead of using my full name, Maria Halsey-Stefanis, let me just create something that reflects what I do, but it's a little bit easier to look out for and, and spell. So I've created this account, Mrs. Rodial. So what I did was I started this account and then I had no agenda whatsoever. I would start posting things that... Um, I thought were interesting that I wanted to share, whether that was behind the scenes of a press event, launching a new product, whether that was a personal passion of mine, a new shoe, um, a new bag, anything that was interesting to me. And it ended up being a lot non-beauty heavy, if that makes sense. So I wasn't putting a lot of beauty into it. It was just my personal account and what I was passionate for. And I, I started interacting with a lot of people out there, whether they were bloggers or other people I was inspired by just regular people and started creating this community and then all of them got interested into Rodial so yeah we love what you do tell us a bit more but there's always a a very personal angle that goes into what I write so let's say if I post something on our new palette which we just launched recently I would say why I created that palette how am I using it what problem is it solving, which is very different to what the corporate account would say, which is, oh, this is the palette, this is where you're going to find it. Mm. I always like to give a behind-the-scenes view Mm. of whatever I'm sharing. And just because there's no agenda and there is no plan to sell product through my account, I think that made it a little bit more exciting for people to get involved with. Hold up. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, we all like to know what people are really like. And is it just Instagram? Are there other platforms that have been key to your social success? Mm. Well, we've looked at all the um, various platforms. There was uh, a point that we were very heavily posting on um, YouTube. Then I produced a show called The Mrs. Rodial Project, which is a mini-series, and it shows the behind the scenes of developing a product and working with celebrities, and that was really fun. And then we did a lot of tutorials and projects product, Q&As. I've also done a few of my inspirational videos as well that actually helped me to put together the book. I got a lot of inspiration from the feedback I got from them. So we have been working on YouTube. We don't post as often as I would like to because as you know, YouTube takes so much effort. So we use it as a platform and we drop assets as we get them, but we were not as regular. We've looked into Snapchat. I don't think that our market with Rodial is on Snapchat right now so we've taken a step back and we're looking into Facebook I definitely think there's there's a big potential with Facebook and brands and we're trying to understand how to best utilize it for engagement but Instagram is our key platform right now and are there any rules on Instagram as to how often you should be posting It's funny because I bought a book that a blogger wrote, and I'm not going to say who, and they had this formula of how you should post. And they were saying four pictures a day. The first one is the coffee of the day. The second is your shoe. The third is your lunch. And the fourth is the outfit of the day. And that's what we should be posting every day. And I think this is so five years ago of treating Instagram like that is over-processed and over-planned I was going to say, a daily coffee could get a little bit boring, couldn't it? <laughs> I know, but don't you get, I mean, I'm sure you see a lot of accounts out there that there's constant coffees, like how many coffees can you see and like and have? Yes, my tolerance for, for coffee posts is not all that high, but do you think you've moved on to Instagram stories more? Do you see a better engagement now with stories than you do from the feed? What I would say is that we are moving into a new era of Instagram that people like to see real people. They want to see what you're doing. They want a little bit of the story rather than, oh, a funny caption. They want to hear the story and they want to see something real. So definitely we're moving to a new direction. Stories, I love stories. I think that that's a great way to convey what you're up to, something exciting without thinking, oh my God, this would live on my feed forever. And is this the best picture? But even if it's not, sometimes you get so much more hits on stories than you mm. get on the actual feed. You feel a bit more relaxed about it as well. Yeah, you? yeah. yeah. And you know it's going to go in 24 hours. Yeah. So even if it's not perfect, yeah, you can Doesn't live with that. Doesn't yeah. matter. Um, social media is a hungry beast. What advice do you give to people starting out with social media? 
I would say engage as much as you can. I spend at least a couple of hours on Instagram every day researching new accounts, following, liking. I make sure I comment on all the comments that have been left on my posts and always engage. It's it's like going to a party and being social. Like you wouldn't go to a party and sit at the corner and not talk to anyone and hope that things would happen. You would go and engage. So it's engaging. And then the other second very important thing is what they call audience swap. Find like-minded people or companies who have a similar level of followers and then just do something together and open up this brand or person to your audience and, and they will do that for you. Great advice. How important was celebrity associations for you in the early days? It felt like, as a spectator, that your Kylie Jenner collaboration uh, was hugely successful. Do you put a lot down to that? It definitely helps, especially when you are a new brand, to get an association, whether it's with a celebrity or a big influencer. It opens up a new market for you and the brand and really helps to spread the word and get people interested. It doesn't mean they're going to buy the product immediately, but they would be, okay, let me look into this a little bit more. And it also sometimes it legitimizes the brand when it's a new brand that a certain celebrity or influencer knows and, and uses the product or the brand. It does legitimize it. Yeah. And how did you, so you partnered with Kylie Jenner to support Nip and Fab when you launched Nip and Fab back in? That was 2015. You've talked about the fact that you didn't raise money. How did you have the confidence to invest in what I imagine was quite big money? It was very early days. We worked with her when she was just 16. She didn't have a beauty product at the time. Her sister, Kendall, was just starting getting into the fashion world. So we worked with her before she became big. And we were the first company that she did a beauty campaign with. We did take a risk, but I don't think right now we could afford her. The timing was right. And and she was open to do new and cool things with up-and-coming beauty brands. So it it was the timing and and a formula that worked at that point. And tell us a bit about Nip and Fab. So Rodeal was your baby, and that's a premium product aimed at women in their 30s, 40s. Where did the idea from Nip and Fab come from? Was it feedback from your customers that Rodeal was a bit expensive from them? Tell us about the process of launching Nip and Fab. It was around 2014, and I was seeing a lot of designer collaborations in the high street. There was Carl Lagerfeld for H&M, Stella McCartney for for The Gap, Balmain for H&M. And I was thinking there is something missing from the mass market. And if I can take some of the DNA of Rodial and simplify it and package it and distribute it in a very different way and address a younger customer, I will be offering a almost designer skincare in high street prices. Um, so that was the idea initially. And some of the original Nip and Fab products, they shared a bit of the DNA of Rodial. But as the time went by, the two brands became very, very different the Nip and Fab customer became a lot more identifiable. And we now have original products that we've just created for Nip and Fab that have no relationship whatsoever with Rodial. Given that you have two brands, this should be an easy question. What would you say is the biggest challenge when it comes to launching a business or a brand? I get this question a lot from a lot of up-and-coming entrepreneurs. And they're asking me, where shall I put my attention? Is it 
recruiting and getting a team together? Is it marketing? Is it PR? Is it sales? And I think that's the biggest challenge that any entrepreneur at any level of their business would face is making sure that your attention goes where it should. And at the end of the day, it's instinctive. And your instinct will tell you today you need to focus on this area. And the next day, this is where you need to be spending most of your time. And how much time do you spend on product innovation? I mean, who's coming up with the next Dragon's Blood? Is that you? Is that your ability to spot an opportunity? Well, every year we probably come up with around 40 product ideas. And some of them I would come up with, others, my new product development team. We may also get feedback from the stores. But at the end of the day, out of those 40 ideas, we sit down and we decide which ones are we most excited about. And these are the ones that will make it to the market. So we probably only launch about eight out of those 40. I read that following trips to Japan, you come back with a suitcase full of ideas uh, to inspire you with. Is Asia where you look to for really exciting innovation and beauty? I love Asia. Um, Whenever I go there, as you say, I go to pharmacies and fill it up with products that I bring back and play with. And some of the innovations that I found the last few years were the Korean sheet masks that we've developed for both our brands, the Dragon's Blood Eye Masks and the, the Pink Diamond Full Face Masks. They are one of our bestsellers. We'll be launching a product the next couple of weeks, which is an essence. And that is another category that I was inspired by East. Um, So definitely uh, Asia is is a big, big inspiration when it comes to beauty. Their textures, their concepts are very, very innovative. Of all the products that you've launched recently, which are the one, two, three that have been the biggest hits or surprised you the most? One of our biggest hits is the Dragon's Blood lip mask that was featured by Kim Kardashian a few months ago. How did you make that happen? Well, we've been working with the family. We've been working with Kylie. We've been working with Mario, who is her makeup artist. So we do have connections with, with the family and sometimes you get lucky. Did you just see a massive spike in sales? I mean, it felt like that that product was suddenly everywhere and everyone was talking about it. It sold out and it definitely brought a lot of attention to Rodial again. And we had to, yeah, we had to place emergency orders. So it, it worked really well. But, you know, it's not just about that. What I really want to see is sustainable sales from Aura Classic products. And we're never going to be about this one-hit wonder. But when it comes to you, that one-hit wonder, you just have to welcome it and go with the flow. <laughs> I'd be quite grateful that you've got some, <laughs> some PR spin. You mentioned the longevity of products. Which are the products that are perhaps not the most radical, but, but the ones that truly deliver and people go back for time and time again? I would say the Dragon's Blood range, which is now about seven years old. We started with a Dragon's Blood sculpting gel, which is a plumping and hydrating serum. And that's been consistently the bestseller of the business since we launched it. And Dragon's Blood has become such an iconic range for Rodial that we've expanded the product line. And we went from one product to about 12 right now. And people cannot get enough of Dragon's Blood. And I feel that if you ask anyone out there, do you know Rodial? They say, yeah, I know Rodial. It's Dragon's Blood. <laughs> That's the one. Mm. The, the dragon or the snake. Mm. What animals coming next? <laughs> I think we're done with animals. Done. I think that, yeah, we're into uh, rose gold and, and pink diamond and a bit more classic ingredients. And your incredible radial anti-aging range. Did you feel a big pressure when it came to launching an anti-aging range that needed to stand up against 
the creme de la mer of the industry? It's always a challenge and you never really know, you can never guarantee that the product is going to be successful. Um, over the years, I, I have launched products that I'm very proud of, such as Snake Serum and Dragon's Blood, but I've also launched some products that and names that I'm not very proud of. But, you know, everything you do, you learn, and then with the next launch, you adjust and make sure the next time you get that right. But I'm really excited about our makeup, Rodial Makeup. It's, uh, it's still a baby, it's three years old, and we've started launching limited edition products and working with really cool editorial makeup artists and my sort of vision for for Rodial makeup is just get every woman out there to have flawless skin and really quick makeup within 10 minutes and make her look beautiful confident with products that are not fussy and they're very easy to use that's my dream with makeup and I have to say that on a photo shoot with a very well-respected makeup artist recently, uh, we asked her to share with us her top 10 products, and at least half of them were Rodial products. They are products that deliver, you know, they do help you get that flawless look. How do you kind of balance that mission with all the innovation and crazy wacky things that are happening in these with all these sort of celebrity makeup ranges because on the one hand you're creating something that's really great for mm. the customer on the other you're trying to get press coverage and and attention in store how do you get that right well as my book says there is nothing like an overnight success and i know in in this day and age we see a lot of celebrities coming up with with a range as we saw a lot of celebrities 10 or 20 years ago coming up with a range selling a lot of product and then disappearing after a couple of years my aim for rodial and nippon fab is to create two businesses that will be there for many years that there will be brand names that are not associated with me or anyone in my business and that they're names that they they can live by themselves for a long time we do have as a business we do need to follow trends and come up with products that are super trendy and we know they're not going to last for a while and then work with some classic launches that we know people will buy again and again so it's always a balance they say that risk takers get ahead in business are you a risk taker it's interesting because naturally I'm a person that's very risk averse. Uh, however, with business, I had to change myself and be open to change and go for whatever risky situation comes my way, I will go for it. I think I was a little bit more risky at the beginning than I am now, but I go through phases that I feel I need to shake things up and, and change direction. And how do you stay really positive and motivated after doing it for quite a lot of years now it's not easy as in every stage in your business there are days that you think oh I'm doing so well I'm on top of the world and days that you're thinking oh my god you know I I feel like that you know girl who just fired from banking and I, I don't know what I need to do right now but when you have a business you, you need to have that mindset I love listening to podcasts I love reading pages from inspirational books and that's something I try to do every single morning even if it's 10-15 minutes to half an hour if I have the time really set my goals and plans for the rest of the day and how does it work being in business with your husband? We're always interested to know how mothers running businesses do it and how couples running businesses do it. Mm. How does that play out? Well, he is the CFO of our business. He is. He joined um, the business at what stage? Yeah, so he was the. We co owned the business from day one. And then 
What happened was six years ago, I was going home complaining every single day about my finance team and my operations team, and I can't deal with everything. It's too much. And he said, why don't I come and join you? And I thought, oh, my God, that's a really terrible idea. <laughs> this is my space. You, you, you can't do this. So anyway, he talked me into that, and he started coming to the office. And I had to put his office at the other end so we don't see each other all the time. But you know what? At the end of the day, working with family and knowing that someone has your best interest in mind and knowing that you can trust them. I think it's really important. We do deal with very different departments. He deals with operations and finance, and I deal with uh, marketing, creative, sales. And so our days are very different. We arrive at different times. We have different meetings. And so not being on top of each other every day, that really helps. So for you, it's a harmonious working relationship. Yeah, I mean, as working with anyone that you know very well of, it it has its challenges. So it could be that we're at home one evening and he comes up with, oh, you know, let's talk about this thing at work. And I may have had a really challenging day and I would say, well, you know what, can we not talk about work today? And I really want to chill out right now. We can talk about this tomorrow. So you're not always ready to talk about business but I think the, the positives of trusting someone outweigh any challenges that you may have. And do you have the same long-term vision for the business? What's your long-term plan for Rodial and Niffin Fab? Growing the brand names, expanding the businesses, seeing makeup in both brands go to the next level and grow it as much as skincare. And as long as we go to work and have fun and enjoy what we do, we'll keep on doing it. How do you manage your personal life and your working life? I mean, balance is an overused word, Mm. but you need to find a bit of personal time. How do you do it? Well, weekdays, nine to six, let's say. It's, It's the work time that I deal with everything that comes my way. Before and after work, I'm still involved. I would answer emails, but I do try to do my have to and to-do list during the working hours, and I do become creative outside those hours. So I always think about work, but I do like to use the out-of-office hours as my creative time to come up with new ideas and be fresh. And these are the times that I get to see my family. I have, I have two, two boys, two teenagers. And we do, we may enjoy watching box sets together. And then we spend the weekends together as a family. But as you know, when you have a business you're checking your emails, you're always working. But at least try to deal with more urgent things out of hours. But the weekend is your time. Yeah, the weekend is my time. And I love to put some time aside for grooming and have a massage and go for long walks and really just get my energy back so I'm ready to go on a Monday and obviously connect with with my husband and kids. What advice would you give to budding entrepreneurs that might be listening I would give them three pieces of advice. My first one is be focused on your goal, but always have a plan B, how to get there. My number two is don't be afraid to make mistakes because the biggest rewards will come from the biggest risks. And my third piece of advice, since we are in the beauty industry, is always look your best. If you look your best, you will feel confident, you will project a better version of yourself, and that will make you achieve your goals.
I think that's the perfect note to end on. Thank you so much for chatting to us, Maria. Uh, I've really known you since the very early days of Radial, so it's incredible to see what you've achieved, and I think your ability to spot an opportunity and turn something on its head is truly unique and incredibly inspiring. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for having me, Georgie. It was fun. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. And if you have any feedback, then do email podcast at sherlux.com. See you next time. Bye-bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.